episode 85. My name's Tom Kershaw and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. Well, this week I've been playing Psychonauts 2, the much sequel to the 2005 original. And I've also been playing Song of Iron, which is a new indie action platformer from a single indie dev. Really, really good stuff, that one. I'm also going to be rounding up the recent PlayStation Showcase, plus taking a closer look at Forspoken. That's a busy show. Let's get to it. Welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're well and you're having a good week. Now, I'm good this week, and I've been recharging the batteries this week with a week away from video games. I've been down the coast of England for a week in Cornwall. It was really, really nice. I had some really, really good weather. Really, really recommend it. Pack your bags, get out there for a week, and rest and recharge. It does you the world of good. However, it is really good to be back, and I've missed all the gaming news and everything else. So I haven't picked up a joypad or clicked a keyboard key in a game for over a week. So it's really, really good to be back and spending time with you all. Well, before we get into the show, onto the Plug the Podcast patron. You can send your questions and stories for community questions by signing up to Patreon. So for as little as $2 a month, you can sign up to become a patron. We can access exclusive Discord rooms, send in questions and comments to be read out on This Week in Video Games podcast, and you get access to exclusive content and early access too. So there's plenty of benefits over there on Patreon. Plus, you get to support the show and help This Week in Video Games become a little bit more self-sufficient. Well, that is it for my waffly intro, but let's check out what I've been playing this week. Well, these past few weeks, I've been checking out Psychonauts 2, and I'm going to dive into that first up in the show. Really, really good game, that one. One of the best of the year so far. And Sony also came out and delivered one of the best showcases in gaming for a while, giving off big E3-caliber vibes with an action-packed showcase full of teasers, trailers and a whole lot more so i'm going to be rounding that up too i'm also going to delve a little bit deeper into forspoken one of the games shown off and this one's really caught my eye and then finally i'm going to be sharing my review of song of iron this is a great indie action platformer available on pc and also xbox right now so it's really really good stuff but first up let's jump into my review of psychonauts 2 Psychonauts 2 is finally here, and it may have taken 16 years since the first instalment, plus a well-documented journey, including Double Fine being bought by Microsoft, but it seems it's all been well worth the wait, as Psychonauts 2 puts in a really strong claim for Game of the Year 2021. We last saw Raz and the gang in 2005 in a mainline Psychonauts game, although there was the 2017 VR-only game The Rhombus of Ruin. Well, in Psychonauts 2, we pick up from where the game's left off in the cast of characters. They're weird and wonderful as ever, and the writing is especially sharp and excellent. So if you missed out on the first game, not to worry, as you're brought up to speed quickly by a sequence at the beginning. You know, you could quite easily go back and play the original, but to be honest, I would simply jump into this sequel, you know. The intro does a really good job of catching you up, plus the game itself explores the main character Raz, his background, and also the background to the Psychonauts. So if you jump into this game blind, you won't be missing out on anything. But like any good sequel, you can pick this one up and play through without having to play the original. But for fans that did, there's a whole bunch of callbacks and Easter eggs to the original, which definitely brought a smile to my face. Well, we pick up a day after from the story of Rhombus of Ruin, Rasputin Aquato arriving at the Mother Lobe, and that is the headquarters of the special spy organization known as the Psychonauts. So Raz, he thinks he's made it, only to find he's simply an intern 
So given his new title, he's got a whole lot more to learn before he becomes a fully-fledged psychonaut, and he has to start at the bottom in the mailroom. So things quickly escalate as you jump from environment to environment, whether you're inside someone's head or outside the mother lobe exploring the wooded areas nearby. Well, Double Fine do a great job of making this feel like a spy caper with really, really crisp writing, excellent settings and character development throughout. And if you're a fan of Tim Schafer's early work like Day of the Tentacle, then you're going to recognise the feeling he managed to portray in his game. So you're going to start out in the mother lobe and then head outside into the camping area filled with giant redwood trees, lakes and also hidden caves as well. And this change of scenery is a nice change up and keeps things feeling nice and fresh as you play the game. Well, the cast of characters you have to meet and interact with in the game is huge and can generally be split into a few groups. So you've got the main cast of the Psychonauts, plus you've got the other interns, and they basically start out bullying you, but quickly become your friends. And then you've got the Aquato family. So all of the characters got really, really good writing, and they all feel unique, and they've got entertaining personalities. They're all really engaging, making you want to play more. Well, the highlight for me in the game is when you dive into people's brains and personalities, and this is where the environment design, the writing, and the gameplay mechanics really shine and allow Double Fine to flex their game developer skills. So you don't go diving into every brain of everyone that you meet, only the major characters who seem to be especially troubled, and early on this means a few of the Psychonauts themselves. Now, these environments reflect the personalities of the characters. For example, the first mine we jump into is that of a dentist character, and therefore the world is filled with teeth, gums and other kind of dentist areas. But be wary of this level too, because if you're scared of going to the dentist, this isn't going to make you feel any better about that experience. Yeah, the levels are really creative, and the platforming really, really comes alive. So the mind control levels do tend to follow a similar formula from diving in, having to retrieve an item of some kind, a series of platforming, and then battling a boss with a few phases. The boss battles, they're really, really great fun. The art styles are really different, and the mechanics mix things up really well, feeling unique, all the while tying the game together with that familiar feel. So there's elements of the Psychonauts that feel like a PlayStation 3 era 3D platformer, much like Ratchet & Clank earlier this year, and that isn't not the game, you know, as there's a sheen and polish that sits on top of the gameplay, which makes it feel like an up-to-date game 100%, but it's simply that the mechanics can feel a little bit repetitive and slightly outdated. Well, as a complement to the excellent storytelling, the other main gameplay elements in the game are the platforming and the combat, so both feel like they've been really improved since the first game, with Raz's abilities given a welcome boost in terms of skills and the array of things you can do. So you've got a book detailing the different skills and the abilities and as you make your way through the game you collect points to level up and there's not enough buttons on the controller for them all so you are going to have to be smart about which powers you map to which button. The platforming generally feels really really good there's the classic 3D platforming issue of not being able to see where you're going the whole time which can lead to some unfortunate moments where you might fall off the edge and not really understand why. Well, both the physical and the mental worlds you end up traversing are full of puzzles and creative ways to battle enemies. So platforming may not feel as crisp as other AAA entries this year, but don't be fooled because this is one of the best 3D platformers out there with a great array of skills, abilities and trees to upgrade. So you've got the trapeze bars to swing from, you've got trampolines to jump on and treetops to navigate, and most of the mine levels feel fairly linear. However, when you're in the outside world, you can pick and choose which way to go. Combat is fairly straightforward, but you're going to need some strategy in your gameplay as enemies can take you out fairly quickly if you simply end up going into encounters and mashing the buttons. So you have to mix things up fairly quickly, and you start out with a simple melee attack and a jump, but you'll quickly accrue points, which can be used to level up your abilities like telekinesis, levitation, 
and a new one, the Mental Connection. So abilities have been slightly improved in the sequel. For example, the telekinesis is made more effective in combat. You know, the sheer amount of collectibles you can find in the game is staggering and something that makes me want to go back time and time again into the game. So collecting some of the items gives you points, which you can use to upgrade Raz and his abilities, while other collectibles can be used to trade for pins that allow for more customization. I definitely appreciate this level of personalization and the routes to leveling up. Well, Psychonauts 2 is an excellent demonstration of writing, gameplay, and level design that all comes together really, really well in this package. So this is exactly what Microsoft have bought in Double Fine, a company that can deliver a very high standard of video game that helps to bolster the library for Xbox Game Pass. And I was really surprised at this game. I went in with fairly low expectations and was pretty much blown away at every turn. I shouldn't really be surprised given Day of the Tentacles one of my favourite games of all time and this latest effort from Tim Schafer and the team is well worth playing. So given it's on Xbox Game Pass, I'm sure many of you already have access to it, but I would go out of your way to play the sequel even if you have played the original, perhaps especially if you haven't played the original. You know, it's a delightful game, it's going to entertain you with its story and gameplay in equal measures. Well, the game was developed by Double Fine. It was published by Xbox Game Studios. It's out for Xbox and PC. and was originally released on the 25th of August, 2021. Well, that is it for my review of Psychonauts 2 from Double Fine. Really, really fantastic stuff and staking acclaim for Game of the Year 2021. It's really, really good. Like I said, I went in with low expectations and it absolutely blew me away. Definitely recommend going out and playing this one. Well, that is a good contender for Game of the Year from Xbox Game Studios. But next up, let's check out and see what Sony are up to with the PlayStation Showcase Roundup. Well, PlayStation were back on September the 9th and they meant some serious business. So they've been missing in action from E3 in the summer, but they were going to make up for it in their latest showcase, which features some surprises, long-awaited gameplay debuts and plenty of big hitters. So today I'm going to go over all the latest news from Sony PlayStation. Well, there's been plenty of debate as to whether it hurts Sony for not being there at E3 during the summer season of game announcements. However, from the evidence here, it doesn't really matter at all. You know, Sony have laid down a bold marker with big marquee titles and have also laid out a good roadmap well into 2023. Well, first up, we had the announcements of a Knights of Old Republic remake and that is being developed by Asper, and it's going to be a timed PlayStation 5 console exclusive, given that it's no longer Bioware and EA making this one. So it's also coming to PC, but we didn't get a release window. So after the show, the developer did say it'd be some time before we see a new update, and we didn't see gameplay. It was merely a trailer announcement. So, so this game is going to be updated to live in the modern Star Wars universe, plus I imagine they're going to have a look at the gameplay too, given the original was a very turn-based 2003 title. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with this one, and it was a blockbuster announcement to kick off the show. Well, Project Eve was up next, which looked very much like a Bayonetta-style game, fast hack-and-slash action, and this one is set in the near-future Earth against enemies of some kind. And then next up, we had Tiny Tina's Wonderland, and that one looks like a fantasy version of the hit series Borderlands, and that one is also coming from Gearbox. Forspoken was up next, which got an extended trailer, Plus, we got a release window of spring 2022. So to this point, it was the best trailer shown off, with the main character zipping and darting about the environment, and the combat looked really, really good. And it feels like something a PS5 really should be showing off. And we're starting to get games now that really demonstrate the power of the PS5. So spring 
2022 was mentioned. However, I imagine that means April and May, given we've got Horizon Forbidden West coming in February 2022. So I would imagine Sony would want to give some room for that title to breathe just a little bit. Well, Rainbow Six Extraction was up next, and that is due in January 2022. And then next up, Remedy showed off their first look at the remake of Alan Wake, an excellent game. And I'm really, really looking forward to play this one on up-to-date hardware. So if you play through Control recently, definitely keep an eye out for Alan Wake. Well, Grand Theft Auto V is up next in my personal low point for the showcase. You know, yes, I get it's very popular still, mainly due to Grand Theft Auto Online. But given it's 2021, I don't really want to be seeing Grand Theft Auto V in a showcase like this. You know, sorry, Sony. And it's also been delayed to March 2022. Well, next up, we had Ghostwire Tokyo, and that was shown off in a better-looking trailer this time around. Last time it was shown off, it looked pretty lacklustre, to be honest. This one doesn't really look like my cup of tea, but it's a first-person hack-and-slash game. It's coming out on PS5 and PC in spring 2022. Well, then we had Guardians of the Galaxy shown off again in what felt like filler in the middle of the showcase, and that one is due to come out towards the end of October 2021, so really not very far away at all. Vampire Masquerade Blood Hunt was then shown off, and that is a free-to-play Vampire Battle Royale already out on PC, but it's coming to PS5. So Deathloop was then given another trailer, and Deathloop has now already come out, but I think at this point in the showcase, I was a little bit sick of seeing trailers of Deathloop, although it has come out and the reviews are looking fantastic. I am getting the game in the next few days, and I'm going to be bringing you my thoughts of that on next week's show. Well, next up, we had a weird one. We had a collaboration between Radiohead and Epic Games in something called Kid A Amnesiac, and it's a virtual exhibition. So this one's coming out in November 2021 via the PS5, Epic Games Store, and also by other means on PC. So if you're a Radiohead fan, I'd imagine this is going to be really, really good and right up your street. And it's interesting to see Epic reaching out in other cultural areas rather than having Radiohead in Fortnite. That would be really, really weird, although definitely something I would want. Just imagine Tom York dropping down there onto the map. We also got a fresh look at Cheer, a game inspired by the new Caledonian. That one's coming to PlayStation and PC in 2022. So Herman Hulse then came out and bigged up Sony PlayStation Studios before bringing out the big guns. So Naughty Dogs, Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy, they're being remastered for the PS5 and PC. And that's coming out in early 2022. And Uncharted is finally coming to PC. So that one is a big headline. And one of the biggest surprises of the showcase was up next with Insomniac announcing they're developing a Wolverine game. So everyone thought they were simply showing off Spider-Man 2. But the scene was dark, it was in a busted up bar with a ragged man sitting on a stool with bloody knuckles. You know, we should have known from that description. And an attacker with a knife tried to get close, only for Logan to reveal his claws in a classic Wolverine fashion. So it was a really fantastic reveal moment. Very, very surprising as this info didn't leak at all. And given we're in 2021, literally everything leaks these days. So it was a massive surprise. So Gran Turismo 7 was up next with photorealistic cars. Not really my thing, but it did look really, really impressive. And then Insomniac were back with the real reveal of Spider-Man 2 this time. And we had Peter Parker and Miles Morales fighting side by side as Spider-Man. And then a Russian voice from the shadows, followed by a Venom reveal. So really, really cool. And that one is coming in 2023. So it looks like Insomniac are really, really busy. And I would imagine after the success of Spider-Man, Ratchet and Clank, they probably really ramped up their studio because their output is looking very, very good indeed. Well, the final trailer of the show was reserved for God of War Ragnarok, the sequel to 2018's Game of the Year, God of War. So this is Santa Monica Studios, 
finale to the North Steam God of War, and this one is set one year after the first game. So Atreus, he's asking all kinds of questions about Loki, plus Kratos is in the thick of battle, and it looks like the cracks are starting to emerge in the father-son relationship. Familiar characters are back and new ones are also introduced, and it looks absolutely stunning. Plus we've got plenty of gameplay, so Thor looks like he's going to be one of the main enemies in the game, which makes sense given we killed his children in the first game, so really, really excited for this one. No release date yet, but I would imagine it's going to be late 2022. Well, that is it for the Sony PlayStation Showcase from September 2022. It was a really, really strong showing from Sony, E3 calibre for sure. However, Sony seem much happier doing things on their own terms. Plus, they've got the production value and the games to back it up. You know, Sony don't have to go back to E3. They can pretty much turn up, drop their games, and they demonstrate time and time again they've got some of the best games in the business. So this strategy is working for now, but most importantly, is it going to last? It's going to be interesting to see where we are mid-generation as Microsoft. They are making a comeback. Well, that is it for my roundup of the Sony PlayStation Showcase. Next up, let's have a look at the all-platform charts. So at 10 this week, holding steady at Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury. And at 9 this week, it's Grand Theft Auto 5, down 6 places from last week's number 3. Holding steady at 8, it's F1 2021. And then at 7, down 2 places from last week's number 5, it's Animal Crossing New Horizons. At 6 this week, it's a new entry, it's Life is Strange Through Colours. Then at 5 this week, down 4 places from last week's number 1, it's Minecraft. At 4 this week, down 2 places from last week's number 2, it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And then at 3 this week, it's a new entry, it's NBA 2K 2022. New entry again at number 2, it's Tales of Arise from Bandai Namco. And then new in at number 1, it's WarioWare Get It Together. And that is another number 1 from Nintendo. And Nintendo, we've got 1... Two, three, four, five entries in the top ten for Nintendo. So Nintendo having an absolutely stonking year. Even though the other companies brought out their new consoles, Nintendo continued to smash it. So congrats to the team behind WarioWare. Well, that is it for the all-platform charts. But next up, I wanted to dive into a little bit more detail with Forspoken. This one really, really caught my eye from the Sony PlayStation Showcase. In fact, it caught my eye last summer in 2020 when it was first Project Athea and it has since changed to Forspoken. So next up, let's have a look at everything we know about Forspoken. Forspoken was given the spotlight in the recent PlayStation Showcase, and now we know plenty more about this action RPG from Square Enix. So this one has turned into one of my most anticipated games of 2022, well, Forspoken was originally introduced to us during the original PlayStation Showcase in 2020. We only got a short snippet of gameplay back then, but immediately this was something that caught my eye with the speed of the traversal and the gameplay. So Square Enix's internal teams, they're generally known for creating Final Fantasy games, but after Final Fantasy XV, Square decided to do something a little bit different and founded a new internal Square studio called Luminous Productions. And their mission was to create new IP, AAA games, and the studio took the engine developed for Final Fantasy XV and started development on Forspoken, so first known as Project Athea, the game is going to be releasing in Spring 2022. So the main character in Forspoken is Frey Holland, who's played by actor Ella Belinska, and Belinska described Frey as a young woman 
in a beautiful yet threatening world. And the most recent trailer sees Frey transported from the modern-day New York into a world with castles and dragons after stepping through a portal, and she arrives in the mythical lands of Aethia. So Frey is accompanied by a large cast of characters, including Cuff, your main companion in Forspoken. So Cuff is something you wear, literally like a cuff you wear on your arm, and is described as a magical, sentient bracelet of an uncertain origin. So you've also got Tanta Sela. She's one of the main protagonists of the Tantas, the group of twisted matriarchs you're sent to destroy in Forspoken. And your Hedy is another character you get to know really well, described as a hard-nosed archivist who provides Frey with guidance, while Auden is a young woman Frey meets in Aethia, and they become really, really good friends. So the gameplay in Forspoken appears to be action-adventure and RPG, so Frey moves incredibly fast across the environments amongst high-fidelity backgrounds, and as well as traversing across these environments so Frey can climb up and run across cliff surfaces and jump too. So probably the best way I can describe the game, whereas Spider-Man is set in New York and you've got a male lead, this one has a female lead and it's set in a fantasy environment. So you've got castles, you've got dragons, you've got mystical creatures, you've got spells and magic. Looks really, really good stuff. But the gameplay is all about traversal and you zip and speed, swing, shoot magic out of your hands. It looks absolutely fantastic. So enemies look really tough and imposing, and they include a massive golem, a zombie bear, plus you've got some terrifying saber-toothed cats. So Frey has magical abilities, and that includes forming a shield out of light. You can make vines explode out of the ground at a moment's notice, and Frey can also fire high-speed projectiles at enemies, so it seems like Frey definitely has a decent arsenal at her disposal. So the environments look absolutely gorgeous and varied, from what we've seen so far, including fantastical architecture, cliff edges, there's grasslands too. It looks really wide open, and I think that really plays into the speed that Frey can move at. This is all about navigating the environment. You go really, really fast. It looks really, really impressive. You literally just have to see it for yourself. So traversal appears to be the main component of the game, and getting around the environments quickly and easily, that's going to be super, super important. But I would love to hear what you think of Forspoken. It's definitely one of my most anticipated games of 2022. So what I would say, check out the trailers and then write into This Week in Video Games at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games. I would love to read out your opinion of Forspoken on an upcoming episode of the podcast, so let me know what you think. Well, that is it for my roundup of everything we know about Forspoken so far. Really, really good stuff. Really looking forward to spring 2022. But next up, we've got another review, and this one is Song of Iron. Well, Song of Iron is a new side-scrolling action-adventure game inspired by Limbo and developed by a single developer called Joe Winter. So this one is a game that caught my eye during the Summer Games Fest in 2021, and it quickly became one of my most wanted games of the year. So Song of Iron may be a little bit rough around the edges, but I think it can be forgiven due to the one-man team. This is an action platformer set in a Viking setting, so you play as an unnamed Viking, and you can select a male or female Viking, and unfortunately your village has been burned down, and you're on the lookout for revenge as you do. So the environments include a dark forest, you've got caverns, you've got rivers, and the world and the main character look absolutely fantastic, I think this owes a lot to Joe Winter's background as an animator. You know, the care and attention and the detail that he puts into the game from the character movement to the environments really do a good job of promoting the game. You know, a single look at a promoted GIF of this game had me interested. I definitely recommend checking out a trailer for Song of Iron. If this has piqued your interest at all, 
Go to YouTube, check out Song of Iron and see what you think. The story is fairly simple in the game, as are the mechanics, so you can see and you can feel the inspirations of Limbo everywhere you turn, from moving the block puzzles to the huge dangerous enemies that want to tear you apart. Now, combat is a large part of the game, and you'll start out with a simple sword, and as you progress you'll pick up a bow and arrow, a shield and other weapons too, so each weapon has a certain character and feel to it, and it's got a hefty weight as well. So smashing your sword into an opponent feels really, really good, as well as throwing an axe and peeing an arrow from your bow. There's a great amount of care and attention gone into the feel of the game, which I definitely appreciate. So in opposition to many of the video game tropes there are these days, there's no levelling up, no RPG mechanics, no numbers really to be seen. So you get a weapon and you use it until you throw it away or you find a new one to replace it with. And the only difference really with the weapons are some are two-handed rather than single-handed. And the good thing is enemies drop weapons so you can pick them up and you can throw them back in their friend's face. So all the weapons feel really, really good, but I think my favourite is probably the axe. So I like the combat in Song of Iron, but it may not be for everyone. Now, this isn't Hollow Knight level of combat by any means, but it does feel really good and weighty. So the game does a really good job of introducing you to the mechanics early in the game with a nice tutorial walkthrough, and you'll be introduced to the melee, dodge rolling, and also using that shield for your defense. The controls are nice and simple and easy to pick up, but you can chain moves together, and it makes the combat really, really good fun. So as you make your way through the game, you're going to be picking up magical powers, which you can use to affect your weapons. For example, you can create a flaming sword, or you can also add a little electricity to spice things up just a little bit. So there's other abilities too, like super speed and an effective stomp mechanic. And the abilities are a nice way to mix up the combat. And by the time I got an ability to create the flaming sword, I think I was ready for a change. So as well as the combat, there's also some puzzles too. Most are relatively straightforward puzzles. We have to move a block or interact with the environment to get around a series of traps. The game doesn't really hold your hand or give you any clues, so it definitely is best to have your thinking cap on. Now, some of the puzzles can be a little bit baffling. So in a video game world where you're pretty much given the route, handed on a plate in other games, Song of Iron is different and expects you to discover your path forward. For example, before entering the third area underground, there's a puzzle where you have to find a route down below, but the entrance wasn't really obvious to me, and that had me going back and forth quite a lot. But do persevere, it does pay off in the end. Now, platforming around the environments is another major part of Song of Iron, but it can be a little bit cumbersome at times. Again, it feels a little bit rough around the edges. You know, this isn't Celeste, but it is adequate. You know, I played the game with a controller throughout. I did hear in an interview that the developer focused mainly on the mouse and keyboard first, and then the controller after. So I don't know if this added to the feeling of not feeling quite right on a controller, but the fact the developer mentioned this, so I couldn't really shake it from my mind. But one outstanding feature of the game are the visuals. This looks incredible from the character design to the environments. It's just a gorgeous looking game. Now, it looks great on PC, but it would look even better on Nintendo Switch. However, I don't think the game is coming to other platforms anytime soon, other than the Xbox and PC. The Song of Iron is a fairly straightforward game. There's not much of a HUD to speak of, and the feedback you get is on screen throughout the game. You know, This is a game that caught my eye throughout the summer with some clever marketing and also a free demo as well. And I'm really, really pleased that I played the game on its full release. You know, If you like Limbo and ever wondered what it'd be like to live in this world if you're a Viking, then imagine no more and go and check out Song of Iron. You know, I really don't think you're going to be disappointed. So the game was developed and published by Resting Relic and Escape LLC. It's come out on PC and Xbox and was originally released on the 31st of August 2021.
Well, that is it for my review of Song of Ice, a really nice little indie game of 2021. If you like indies, I'd recommend going out there and trying Song of Iron. It's really, really good stuff. It's not very long. It's about three to four hours in the full playthrough. You can probably finish it in an afternoon or over the weekend. But because of the visuals and the feel, I do think it is a special little game. So go and check it out. Well, that is it for my review of Song of Iron. But next up, let's look at what we've got coming out in the next few weeks. So loads of games coming out in the next few weeks, so do bear with me as I read out this list. So on the 21st of September, we've got a bigger one. We've got Kenner, Bridge of Spirits. That's coming out on PS5, PS4 and PC. We've also got Sheltered 2. That one's coming out on PC. We've got World War Z Aftermath. That's on PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One and PC. And then on September 22nd, Pokemon Unite. That's coming to iOS and Android. On the 23rd, we've got quite a lot of games. We've got Diablo 2 Resurrected. That one's coming out on PC. We've got Ember coming out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. We've got MechWarrior 5 Mercenaries, PS5 and PS4. And we've got Sable. That one's coming out on all Xbox consoles and also PC. Then on the 24th, we've got Death Stranding Director's Cut. That's coming out on PS5. And then also on the 24th, we've got Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. That one is finally coming to Nintendo Switch. Then we've got Lost Judgment. That's coming out on PS5, Xbox consoles, PS4, Xbox One. That is also out on the 24th. Then, skipping ahead to the 28th, we got Away, the survival series. That's PS5 and PS4 and PC. We've got Chernobylite, that's PS4 and Xbox One. We've got Ghost Runner, that's PS5, Xbox Series S and X. And then we've got In Soul Mind, that's PS5, Xbox Series S and X and PC. And then we've got Lemnis Gate, that looks really interesting, that one. That's coming out on PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One and PC got another big one we've got new world coming out on september the 28th one of my most anticipated games in september and we've also got steel assault that one is coming out on switch and pc then on september the 29th we've got insurgency sandstorm that's coming out on ps4 and xbox one and then on the 30th we've got eon drive that's ps5 xbox consoles ps4 switch and pc and we've got astria ascending that's ps5 xbox consoles ps4 xbox one switch and pc also on the 30th, we've got Darksiders 3, that's coming to Switch. And then we've got eFootball 2022, that is the renamed Pro Evolution Soccer. Lots of good memories from Pro Evolution Soccer. It is kind of sad to see it's changed its name, but will be interesting to see that one come out. I think that one is free to play. That's coming out on PS5, Xbox Series consoles, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Also on the 30th, we've got Hot Wheels Unleashed. That's PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. We've got the Imposter Factory. It's coming out on PC, Rogue Lords, coming out on PC. And then finally, in September, we've got The Last Friend. That's coming out on Switch and PC. And then moving into October, we've got FIFA 2022. That's coming out on PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One and PC. And then finally, on October the 1st, we've got Phoenix Point. That's coming out on PS4 and Xbox One. Well, loads of games coming out there. And a couple of highlights for me. So New World, that one's coming out on September the 28th on PC. Definitely going to be picking that one up. I definitely pre-ordered that one because I got into the closed beta. But yeah, really, really stuff. Looking forward to that one. Lemnis Gate, really interesting stuff. Looking forward to that one. I think that one is coming to Xbox Game Pass. So I will be playing that one. We've got Death Stranding, Director's Cut, going to PS5. So if you haven't played Death Stranding, I think that is going to be the definitive way to play Death Stranding. Really, really interesting game. Quite strange in some places, 
But if you like Hideo Kojima, definitely one you don't want to miss. Sable, also coming to Xbox Game Pass. Looks really, really good. That one's coming out on September the 23rd. And also a big one, Kenner, Bridge of Spirits. That one is coming out on Tuesday. So really, really looking forward to that. And probably shouldn't go unnoticed, Pokemon Unite is coming to iOS and Android. So I think that game has the potential to be absolutely massive. That is a kind of MOBA light. Really, really good fun. And plus, you've got millions and millions of fans all around the world for the Pokemon series. So those are my highlights for the next couple of weeks. Well, that is it for this week's episode. And if you want to get involved in the show, get in contact through patreon.com forward slash this week in video games or check out the latest on the website. Now send in your questions, your comments, your video game stories. I'm always interested in hearing from you. I'd love to read out your questions or your comments on the podcast. Well, as always, thank you so much for watching or listening. And for more This Week in Video Games content like this, like, subscribe on YouTube and share with a friend. To join our community, check out the Discord link in the description. And you can follow me on Twitter at TWIVG Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, liking and sharing it would really help me out. Otherwise, check out the other podcasts in the feed. Well, thanks again. I'll see you soon.